Hey, this is Jeff Loveland. Thank you for tuning in to Anchor for My Soul podcast, where we want to give a message of hope in the middle of the storm by anchoring ourselves to the Word of God. In each episode, we will grow in our spiritual walk a little more as we use the SOAP Bible study method to dive deep into the scriptures, observe what God is teaching us, apply the lessons in our daily lives, and then pray about it. I hope this encourages you today and helps you go forward with Christ. Welcome back to Anchor for My Soul podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Loveland. Today's episode is of a theme I was recently led to. After finishing up my previous episode about the peace that God left with us, even with protests and riots and the COVID-19 virus, I was seeking the Lord about everything that's been going on. There is so much happening and so much to take in. With each new day, there are headlines that just shock you and remind you of how rebellious we have become in this nation. Deep down inside, I knew the Holy Spirit was pointing me to read Isaiah. I wasn't sure why at the time, but then I flipped the page to start reading Isaiah chapter 1 and was blown away by what I read. As I read chapter 1, I read about a rebellious nation of cities burned with fire, fields stripped by foreigners and laid to waste when overthrown by these strangers. The words, a city under siege, jumped off the page at me. Friends, if you have turned on the news or listened to any media in the past two or three weeks, you are flooded with stories or graphics or even images of cities being looted, rioters, burning cars, buildings, or anything they can burn. Anarchists creating lawlessness just to create chaos. And here locally, and as reported by many other cities, that there was this destruction taking place that wasn't even from hometown people. It was of people traveling on a mission just to create chaos, to paint a narrative for whatever their agenda was, and to make changes through guerrilla warfare-like tactics. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 9 says, Unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. Ouch. Cities are being burned. Rioters are creating hostile environments. And darkness and evil is surrounding us. This didn't just happen overnight. This is from decisions that have been made on an international, national, and even a local level. And might I even include a personal level. We have the choice to stand up and do what is right and become righteous. Or we can follow the ways of this world and go down a path of lawlessness and unrighteousness, one that leads to destruction, decay, and even death. I shudder when I hear the words, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. These cities were an abomination to the Lord. And because of how far they fell away from God and how corrupt and sinful they became, 
they had to be destroyed. The Lord rained down burning sulfur and eliminated these cities. We have a righteous God, one who calls us to live righteously, and His judgment is fair. In Genesis 19, verses 23 through 25, we see that God destroys Sodom. It says, The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. However, I would like to point out prior to God destroying Sodom, there was a man by the name of Abraham who tried to intercede for Sodom and the people living there. Several times he would seek the Lord and ask if God would not destroy that city, if God would just happen to find as low as 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, or even 10 righteous people in the city. Genesis 18.32 says, Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again but this once. Suppose 10 are found there. He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Abraham was doing everything he could to intercede. However, the city was void of righteous people, besides Lot and his family. Today, as we read Isaiah, we must realize how far away we have fallen as a nation. And as a people that were once considered God-fearing people. It says, woe to the sinful nation. And the one that falls away from God and does not love and respect him or fear his righteous ways. Fear as in unable to stand the sinful ways that our flesh desires. And unable to stand the ideas that we are not doing God's will. Fear in the sense that we are not doing as we should. Fear is in the sense that we have to account for all the evil and sinful ways that we have done while on this earth. A people whose guilt is great. Right now, I just just want to say, Lord, I am reminded with each new day that we need you. Lord, we need you more than we know. Lord, we need you. We love you. Have mercy on this nation the United States of America. Have mercy on your people. Have mercy on each and every one of your sons and daughters. Help us to see what it is you want us to see. Help us to hear what it is you want us to hear and help us do what you want us to do. Let your love, grace, and mercy just fall upon us. We need you, Lord. As I finish up my introductory thoughts, I was thinking of the movie Lone Survivor. This is a movie where several soldiers were on a mission and in the wilderness. All of a sudden, events unfolded that created chaos, destruction, and major loss of life. This mission they were on took major drastic turns and led to only one soldier surviving and being rescued in dramatic style. I think of how God's hand was upon that survivor. How that warrior braved the deadly wilderness in the chaotic scene that he was surrounded by. 
how that warrior stayed on mission and kept going. Even with death and destruction all around him, he stayed the course and he kept on fighting. Friends, right now, I just want to say, as brothers and sisters in Christ, today I'm asking all of us to stay the course and keep on fighting. There will be many times where we might feel that we are fighting alone or in a battle with serious odds against us. But the Lord has us there in the fight because we stand for Him and the righteousness He calls us to. Cities may burn. Fields may be destroyed. Chaos may ensue. But the Word of God lives forever, and the mission He called us to is very important. Today we stand for a city of righteousness, the faithful city. Lord, we pray that the faithful city you called us to becomes more and more cities of righteousness until we become a nation that is of righteousness and one that loves you and seeks you in all that we do. Please turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 1 and 2. We will be reading out of the NIV. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw during the reigns of Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. A rebellious nation. Verse 2. Hear me, you heavens. Listen, earth. For the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its master, the donkey its owner's manger. But Israel does not know, my people do not understand. Woe to the sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured, your whole heart afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness, only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged, or soothed with olive oil. Your country is desolate, your cities burned with fire. Your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you, laid waste as when overthrown by strangers. Daughter Zion is left, like a shelter in a vineyard, like a hut in a cucumber field, like a city under siege, unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors. We would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, 
says the Lord. I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams, and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meanless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals I hate with all my being. They become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am now listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. See how the faithful city has become a prostitute. She once was full of of justice. Righteousness used to dwell in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross. Your choice wine is diluted with water. Your rulers are rebels, partners with thieves. They all love bribes and chase after gifts. They do not defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case does not come before them. Therefore, the Lord, the Lord Almighty, the Mighty One of Israel, declares, Ah, I will vent my wrath on my foes and avenge myself on my enemies. I will turn my hand against you. I will thoroughly purge away your dross and remove all your impurities. I will restore your leaders as in days of old, your rulers as at the beginning. Afterward, you will be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion will be delivered with justice, her penitent ones with righteousness, but rebels and sinners will both be broken, and those who forsake the Lord will perish. You will be ashamed because of the sacred oaks in which you have delighted, you will be disgraced because of the gardens that you have chosen. You will be like an oak with fading leaves, like a garden without water. The mighty man will become tender and his work a spark. Both will burn together with no one to quench the fire. Isaiah chapter 2, the mountain of the Lord, 
Verse 1. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations. He will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The Day of the Lord Verse 6 You, Lord, have abandoned your people, the descendants of Jacob. They are full of superstitions from the east. They practice divination like the Philistines and embrace pagan customs. Their land is full of silver and gold. There is no end to the treasures. Their land is full of horses. There's no end to their chariots. Their land is full of idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their fingers have made. So people will be brought low and everyone humbled. Do not forgive them. Go into the rocks, hide in the ground, for the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendor of His majesty. The eyes of the arrogant will be humbled, and human pride brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. The Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty, for all that is exalted, and they will be humbled. For all the cedars of Lebanon, tall and lofty, and all the oaks of Bashan, for all the towering mountains and all the high hills, for every lofty tower and every fortified wall, for every trading ship and every stately vessel. The arrogance of man will be brought low and human pride humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day and the idols will totally disappear. People will flee to the caves and the rocks and to the holes in the grounds from the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendor of His majesty when He rises to shake the earth. In that day, people will throw away to the moles and bats their idols of silver and idols of gold, which they made to worship. They will flee to the caverns and the rocks and to the overhanging crags from the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendor of His majesty when He rises to shake the earth. Stop trusting in mere humans who have but a breath in their nostrils. Why hold them in esteem? So that was our scripture reading for today. Now let's observe what it's saying, let's apply it to our life, and then let's pray.
Isaiah was a prophet that God used to give a message of judgment for sin, the promise of hope that's found in restoration, messages of serving and being God's servant, as well as the coming of the Messiah. Throughout the book of Isaiah, we see God's heart for the world. Today, we will be reminded of what happens when a nation turns from God and is given over to sin and corruption. The Bible gives many examples of where cities, nations, and citizens have fallen away from God and started following their own sinful desires and worshiping idols. When we start to forsake or abandon God, our hearts can become hardened and we lose sight of His love, grace, mercy, and hope. We will then likely start to isolate ourselves from the light and turn to the darkness where we will pursue our sinful desires. Romans 1 reminds us of God's wrath against sinful humanity. Romans 1, 21 through 32, about God's wrath against sinful humanity. It says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Verse 28, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They are filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Wow. I had to read that to go with what we were reading today because, well, one, God loves us so much and keeps giving us opportunity after opportunity to seek Him and follow His ways in His Word. However, sometimes people will harden their hearts and go astray, and God will give them up to their sinful desires. I mean, just reading some of those words of evil, unrighteousness, deceit, Boastful, haughty, disobedient, 
I mean, those are (laughs) alive and well today. When looking at this world and even reading through the Bible, I find myself thinking, Jesus, why haven't you come back for your bride yet? We know that Jesus will return at a time that nobody knows. However, why hasn't he come back yet? We have seen an increase of corruption and sin throughout the world, and we keep wondering why he has not yet returned. When the body of Christ is calling out to him with tears of frustration and with frantic and distressed prayers. Now, I am not one to speak for God or give an answer for that. But if you want my personal opinion, he has not returned yet because of love. Now, you might ask yourself, how can that be a way of showing love? Well, here's how I see it. Those of us who are crying out to Jesus love him so much. And we know that he's given us instructions and warnings for times like we are experiencing right now. He knew that we would need to be prepared and that he would give us the hope and strength to keep enduring these troubling and perilous times. But let me remind you, there are yet still many people who do not know who Jesus is and who do not have a relationship with him. I believe that God loves them so much that he would have us endure these tough times just a little while longer so that we can still have time to reach those who need to be reached. That is love. So that we can keep enduring these tough times, friends, because God loves you very much and he definitely loves those who have not been reached as well. It's like someone waiting upon someone who is running behind. But because they love them so much, they will wait a little while longer so that they will be there for them when they arrive. For example, I recently oversaw and and put together a praise and prayer walk in my city with about 25 other people. For our first praise and prayer walk, it was extremely hot out. But as much As I was looking forward to leading that group in song and prayer and serving our community, I noticed after a while that I kept checking in on those who were in the very back of the group. I wanted to make sure that they were hydrated and not overheated on that hot day. I wanted to make sure that they did not feel like they were left behind, but were also aware of where we were headed. I also knew that I had some solid leaders in the front to keep the momentum going so that I could keep checking on those near the back. To me, my style of leadership is to lead with love and make sure that people can keep on going, even when they are tired and worn out. I say that because if we look around the world today, there are many people who are tired and worn out and start falling to the wayside. As we lead, let's make a point to check on those who are around us. Matter of fact, I remember making sure that during the prayer and praise walk, that everyone serving, praying, and even singing were well hydrated and had opportunities to rest. It does us no good to be so tired and worn out where we are no good when it comes to helping others. In order to help others, you also must take care of yourself. That goes physically, mentally, and spiritually. As I said then, and as I will say again, it does not do the kingdom any good if God's servants 
are so focused on serving that they wear themselves out. If that is the case, how do we go forward sharing the gospel if we are too tired to go share that good news? Will we really be effective? If we are rested and in great condition, physically, mentally, and spiritually, we can go forward as God called us and be effective. Truly living out the love, grace, mercy that is shown in God's word. As you study Isaiah, realize that God loves those in the world so much that he would go above and beyond to reach them. Matter of fact, as mentioned in John 3.16 and 17, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. As we wait upon the Lord's return, let's be reminded of his love for us and for others as we fight through these tough times and seek God as we do. But let me talk about Isaiah 4 for a little bit. It says, Woe to the sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, Children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. If we fast forward to verse 21 through 23, it says, See how the faithful city has become a prostitute. She once was full of justice. Righteousness used to dwell in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross. Your choice wine is diluted with water. Your rulers are rebels. Partners with thieves, they all love bribes and chase after gifts. They do not defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case does not become before them. You see, these verses really stood out to me. Woe to the sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption, rulers who are rebels and partners with thieves. Does that not sound like national and world news today? Reading those verses instantly reminded me of what we are seeing more and more of. We might look at this verse, or these verses, I should say, and try and shrug uh, shrug it off and say that I'm not that bad. There are worse people than me. We might point to political figures that take bribes or, or vote a certain way for certain benefits. We might point to a power-hungry CEO or a city leader that used their benefit of firing employees to gain more money. Or we may point to many other areas that appear worse than us. But the truth is this. We are all guilty of sin, and we have all been corrupt and gone down paths of unrighteousness. Maybe it was a lie that we said, whether it was a big lie or a small lie. Maybe it was causing someone to stumble or corrupt an innocent person with alcohol or another substance. Maybe it was looking at pornography. Maybe it was using a curse word or judging or talking about someone behind their back. Matter of fact, Romans 3 reminds us that nobody is righteous or considered pure, as for we all have sinned. Romans 3, 10 through 18 says, As it is written, none is righteous. No not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. 
Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I mentioned that because Isaiah 1 just shows me a city of unrighteousness, one that does not fear God. And woe to the nation that doesn't fear God and follow His ways. We all have done things that may be considered sinful, evil, dark, and corrupt. Good thing we have a Father in Heaven who loves us, and Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who died for us. Thank you, Jesus. Romans 6, 19-23 is a great example of this. Paul was sharing how we were at one time slaves to sin that leads to death. However, through Christ Jesus, we have been set free from sin and can now have the free gift of God, eternal life through Jesus. Romans 6, 19-23 says, For just as one presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you are free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification in its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. (laughs) I'll get back to Isaiah chapter 1 here. And as we listen to Isaiah 1 verses 16 through 20, it mentions how we must make ourselves clean and remove those evil deeds and learn to do good. And thanks to the blood of the Lamb, we can be considered washed clean. Isaiah 6, 1, 16 through 20 says, Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Those verses are powerful. Let's break that down. 16 says, Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds before my eyes. Cease to do evil. The cease to do evil is important. Let's let's talk about 1 Peter 3, verses 10 through 12, where it says, That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. 
The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Verse 17 said, Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. James 1.27 goes with that and says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I might also say, since we discussed in the very beginning of this episode, uh, cities burning and, and with all the protests and riots, I do want to make a point and say, learn to do good to seek justice and correct the oppression, but we must do it in a correct way, in a loving way, and come together and stand up, but stand up together with love. Verse 18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Right here I see the part where it says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. So to me, that's one party reasoning with another, but yet together they are seeking the Lord, having a conversation and not a shouting match, but really sitting down and hearing each other out so that they can make change, but making uh, change the way that the Lord commands them to. But it also mentions that their sins are like scarlet, but they'll be as white as snow. First John 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light as He is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. Revelation 7.14 says, I said to Him, Sir, you know. And He said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Friends, let's look around. There's major tribulation going on right now. Let's wash our robes with the blood of the Lamb. Let's come to Him and let's be washed clean as we go through this tribulation. Verse 19 says, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Verse 20, But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be willing and obedient and eat the good of the land. Might I remind us in this COVID-19 season, we are having some food issues in the market as well. One thing leads to another when we keep going down a path of destruction in sinful ways. But if we seek the Lord, well, He makes a way. As much as I can focus on the emphasis of the rebellious nation, especially with the events that seem to be unfolding more and more, I do believe that the Lord wanted to get our attention with these chapters, but yet remind us of his disgust for sin and then point us back to his love and how we can turn back to him, starting living a life of righteousness, of love, and walking in the light. Each of us have an opportunity to turn and repent from our wicked ways and follow the Lord and be true children of God. 1 John 1, 8-10 says, 
If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. When we as people and as a nation seek the Lord, amazing things can happen. Listen to how the Lord can turn things around, as mentioned in Isaiah 1, verses 24 through 28. It said, Therefore the Lord the Almighty, the Mighty One of Israel, declares, Ah, I will vent my wrath on my foes, and I avenge myself on my enemies. I will turn my hand against you. I will thoroughly purge away your dross and remove all your impurities. Here we go. I will restore your leaders as in days of old, your rulers as at the beginning. Afterward, you will be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion will be delivered with justice, her penitent ones with righteousness. But rebels and sinners will both be broken, and those who forsake the Lord will perish. Chapter 1 is a powerful chapter with uh, a very intense contrast. One that is of a rebellious and sinful nation in an unfaithful city that sees God's wrath and one that is of a faithful city where the Lord moves mightily in and restores the land and the leaders. A city of righteousness we so desperately need. Friends, wherever you are listening from, I challenge you to Help start making your city a righteous and faithful city. It only starts with a few people and can grow from there. Like that lone survivor or lone survivors that the Lord left in place to keep those cities from turning into Sodom and Gomorrah. You can make a difference right where you're at. You have a purpose and a big chance and a big opportunity to make changes that start with you. It's amazing what God can do with a few obedient people who love Him and seek Him and live a life that glorifies Him. Now let's review Isaiah chapter 2. This chapter talked about the mountain of the Lord and the day of the Lord. As we read in verse 2, it says, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways, so that we may walk in His paths. Let's talk about mountains. First off, I love mountains. I love to ski and hike in the mountains of Colorado, and I love being in the outdoors and enjoying what God created. Mountains are large, beautiful, and scenic, with rushing water, birds, and other animals looking for food and shelter, and lots of routes and roads that twist their way to the top. Mountains can also be symbolic and related to cities or even kingdoms. Mountains can also represent obstacles and the ability to ascend and descend with whatever the situation is in front of us. But when I read the beginning of Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2, I saw kingdoms. 
I saw that the kingdom of heaven is greater than any other kingdom. I saw that Jesus, our King, is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and He is higher than any other. I also knew that in the last days, as mentioned in Romans 14.11, it says, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. As I continue to read God's word, I am often reminded that there is no one higher or no one greater than our God. That is what we see here in Isaiah chapter 2. Many people and nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his path. What a glorious sight it is when those Turn to the Lord and follow His ways. Now, let's review the day of the Lord, which is verses 6 through 22. Now, with that phrase, the day of the Lord, we have Old Testament and New Testament concepts. The day of the Lord, as mentioned in the Old Testament, is God's judgment that will take place. And when He will deal with sin, evil, and unrighteousness, and also bring others to salvation. This is the day where the the Lord will deal His wrath on that sin and correctly judge each and every individual and soul. Isaiah 13, 9-13 talks about this very day. It says, See, the day of the Lord is coming, a cruel day, with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land desolate and destroy the sinners within it. The stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their sins. I will put an end to the arrogance of the haughty, and will humble the pride of the ruthless. I will make people scarcer than pure gold, more rare than the gold of Ophir. Therefore, I will make the heavens tremble, and the earth will shake from its place at the wrath of the Lord Almighty in the day of his burning anger. As much as the Bible emphasizes the judgment and the wrath on that day, there are also examples of salvation. In that time where Jesus Christ manifests his glory and comes for the children of God. You'll notice that in Isaiah verse 6, it says, You, Lord, have abandoned your people, the descendants of Jacob. My thought reading that is, how many times do we feel that God has left us, even though we know that He will never leave us nor forsake us? Verse 7 then talks about how people have gone astray, embraced pagan customs, practiced divination and superstitions, and have headed towards idols. These are examples of those who have turned away from God, those who will then hide when the Lord returns in the splendor of His majesty. But here's the deal. You cannot run and you cannot hide. For there will be a day where the Lord Almighty will humble everyone, and the arrogance of man will be brought low, and the idols that we have gone astray for will no longer be there. The fear of the Lord's presence will be everywhere. Those who did not follow the Lord will then try to run and hide in terror. But that is futile. This chapter then ends with verse 22 saying, Stop 
trusting in mere humans, who have but breath in their nostrils. Why hold them in esteem? I'm going to really end this episode on that verse by saying, why do we follow man in man's way when we are to follow God in his way? Why do we trust in flawed humans more than God who is flawless, righteous, and perfect in every single way? Why do we focus on those who have been created by God and worship the creations rather than our creator who is greater than anything else? It is time for us to turn back to the Lord. There will be a day that he will return, a time that we do not know when. Isaiah 1 and 2 remind us of how sinful and corrupt and disgraceful we have become and how we must turn back to the Lord and walk in the light once again, walk in love once again, walk in righteousness and be the faithful city and not one like Sodom and Gomorrah. There are several um, people that the Lord has placed in each city to be those remnants in those cities. Those few people who seek the Lord and do His will. It's time for every one of us to start becoming who God called us and created us to be. One made in His image. One who follows His teachings and helps others do the same. So now that we've read scripture and observed what it's saying, how do we apply this to our life? I believe this episode has taught us several things. One, Stop doing wrong and do right. We must seek the Lord and do His will and not man's will. If we seek the Lord, we will become a people that is more righteous. If we seek man's will, we will become more corrupt by this world and will fall into unrighteous ways. Two, let us go to the Lord and learn His ways and walk in His path. There's really no other way that we should go other than the way the Lord leads us. And three, it's better to be humbled in our trials now than to be humbled on the Lord's day. It's better to fear the Lord now than fear the Lord later when it's too late. Seek God and follow His ways and be better because of it. There are going to be those who are fearful of God's presence when the Lord returns. And there will be those who celebrate with joy. Let us be those who are not continually uh, running away from the Lord, but instead seeking the Lord and running into His everlasting arms. Let's end in prayer. Father, today, Your presence has been felt. You reminded us of two different cities, one of unrighteousness and sin and corruption and evil, in the worldly ways that we can follow. And you reminded us of, an, of a, a righteous city. One that seeks you in all that we do. One that lives according to your word in your ways. One that loves well and cares well for others. And is good. Lord, I pray right now that in this world and in this nation, and even in each and every one of our homes, anyone listening to this message, that we pursue being who you called us to be, to be righteous, pure, and one that seeks you in all that we do, one who loves well, one who cares for their 
neighbors and even those who they disagree with. Lord, in in chapter 1, we saw cities burning and fields that were just destroyed by strangers. Those that obviously do not care for that place or for the lives that live there. Lord, I ask that you ask us, those who truly seek you, those who feel like that remnant, that lone survivor, the one that's standing up when everyone else is running away from you, Lord. I pray that we are stronger when we are in your presence. I pray that we have hope and encouragement, even if we feel like we're standing alone. I pray for those who are standing in the gap with you, Lord, that they feel your presence, that they feel your peace when there's anything but, that they feel that things will get better, that this trial or, or that temptation or, or the things that we are surrounded by are only going to be there for so long. But you will return. You will be with us. And you will never leave us, nor forsake us. Lord, there will be a day that you return. The Lord's day. And you will be judging those who have lived sinful ways. And those who have sought you. Lord, I pray right now that this message, that your word reminds us to turn from our wicked ways and to turn to you, to repent of our past, present, and potential future sins, Lord, and to seek you in all that we do. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your teachings. And we thank you that you are with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Anchor for My Soul podcast. If you would like to help us reach further and hear daily content in the near future, we ask that you share this podcast with your friends and also consider becoming a financial partner to help us reach further for Jesus and to share the word. We are blessed to have listeners who pray for us and go make a difference in the kingdom. Please check out our website, www.anchorformysoulpodcast.com, where we have our past episodes, information about the podcast, and even who I am. If you so feel led to become a financial partner, you can either go to our website or you can go to anchor.fm backslash Anchor for My Soul podcast. Together, we make a difference. God bless.